When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Holiday albums have existed since at least 1945, when Bing Crosby released Merry Christmas, a collection of eight Christmas songs for Decca Records. Since then, countless popular music artists have released full holiday albums to share their love of the sounds of the season, or simply to satisfy a record contract or pay their mortgages. It's a Christmas miracle. There have been dozens of iconic holiday albums released since Bing's nearly 80 years ago, and now the Great Pop Culture Debate podcast wants to determine what is the best holiday album of all time. I always do my part to make the Yuletide, or any tide, gay. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please welcome my panel for this holiday special. His chestnuts can usually be found roasting over an open fire. It's Derek Makita. I mean, awkward time to bring up my ginger daddy fetish, but okay. Well, in that case, I'll avoid talking about where Jack Frost has been nipping down the down low. <laughs> Our next panelist says there's something about a man in a Santa suit that drives him absolutely crazy. Maybe it's the warmth of all that red, hot, sweaty flannel set against the austere coldness of those black leather boots. All I know is the sight of a Santa sets my body aflame with unbridled desire. Uh, And for those of you keeping track at home, that's Jake Piticelli. And that is a Golden Girls quote. And I think we can all agree that Jake, like Blanche, puts the ho in ho, ho, ho. He dumped his true love when he found out the partridge in the pear tree was Danny Bonaducci. It's Johnny Minogue. Now, if it was Shirley Jones, I would have stuck around for those five golden rings. I appreciate the restraint regarding David Cassidy. And joining us from inside the producer booth is our resident Grinch, Curtis Creekmore. In the interest of time, we're going to skip the preamble, which you can now find in a bonus primer on our feed. But do go head to greatpopculturedebate.com and find the listener bracket for this episode so you can play along with us at home. While you're there, you can also find a playlist featuring selections from all 16 of the nominated albums on this bracket, as well as some additional critic picks from albums that just missed the cut. And with that out of the way, let's jingle them bells and move on to these debates. First, it's an unlikely matchup that would probably offend both parties. The panel is evenly split between Mariah Carey's 1994 Merry Christmas album and John Waters' 2004 compilation A John Waters Christmas. Jake, why does Mimi remain your elusive Christmas chanteuse? Johnny, do your best to make sure that John Waters has a better Christmas than Don Davenport. I'll have Johnny go first. Okay, so this, I did not know this album even existed (laughs) until I saw it on the bracket, but I was like, this is going to be absolute pure chaos just to vote for it, especially against Mariah Carey. I mean, it's the most John Waters thing I could do on this bracket. And, And even this album, the compilation that was put together in 2004, I want to say Aunt Ida from Female Trouble said it best. It's just a counter. The life of the homo- of the heterosexual is a sick and boring life. And that's <laughs> what that album is. But actually, this it's so really what it, what John Waters put together is a mix of parody and classic songs that, you know, makes him the king of filth. Like there is no reason and to deny that he is the king of filth. It is John Waters for 50 plus years celebrates voices of marginalized uh, communities. And he did that, like whether or not it's racial, whether or not it's um, uh, sexuality, what have you, he does it. What I first played in the first track I heard was here comes fatty claws and his sack of shit. (laughs) 
if that doesn't tell you what kind of album this is going to be, nothing else will. I mean, he's, I believe, Santa, and he's a prick. And <laughs> it's it's the it's like country parody at its absolute finest. Trucker stop filth. I couldn't have I couldn't have asked for anything better. Tiny Tim is warbly falsettoing Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Um, there's a track called Santa is a Black Man by yes. Kim and Terry Van. So I don't good. So good. I never heard the song before. It's from 1973. Um, it's a kid who says, uh, I didn't realize that. Uh, Santa was a black man and he kind of looks like my daddy has an afro um, and even they're talking about happy Kwanzaa it was only a few years after Kwanzaa had actually been created <laughs> I was like absolutely perfect absolutely absurd but even beyond that there was even they had um, Aretha's impeccable version of Winter Wonderland which I think I'm arguing about four other albums that have a version of Winter Wonderland on it and I'm probably sure I'm arguing against other ones there's so much of that um, but he also appreciated the music of the 60s and that's really that really was it if you wanted to if you want to wear white shoes after Christmas Day listen to this track <laughs> love it the cha-cha heels thank you very much johnny jake talk to me about mariah carey and merry christmas well first of all it is the beginning of october so mariah is defrosting as we speak and second yep. of all johnny how dare you as a gay man <laughs> voting against mariah i think that's a hate crime and i will be calling the aclu as soon as this podcast is over <laughs> <laughs> what more can i do <laughs> so this album came out in 1994 which the year i peaked i was one it was all down there from there <laughs> <laughs> but this came out right in between Emotions and the Music Box album, which was produced on by Walter Asneef, which was also a producer on this album as well. Um, I think this album is a definitive Christmas album. We very much think of Mariah, and she thinks of herself as the queen of Christmas. And I don't care that she failed at her trademark the other year. She's the queen of Christmas, whether... Legally, she is or not. She is. I don't care. <laughs> but this album has sold 15 million copies, 8 million alone in the U.S. She has worked this album um, since its inception in 1994 from Apple TV specials. She has a new tour coming out that just was announced last week, 2023, which is coming to Boston. I'm going to see if I can get tickets. But regardless, whether you are a lamb or not, you know this album. And obviously, All You Want for Christmas Is You is probably one of, if not the most popular Christmas song of the last 20 years right now. And um, with other tracks on this, besides the popular you know, song that we all know, Silent Night, or Holy Night. I think there is a good mixture of pop, you know, pop up-tempo records and a lot of slow ones that showcase her voice. And so I think as a whole album, um, it's a really strong package. And I think, you know, Mariah Carey, uh, I cannot see how she doesn't move forward in this, in this, uh, in this debate. Great. Thank you, Jake. Derek, where are you on this one? I'm firmly in the John Waters camp, um, simply because I feel like we need diversity for pervert mustaches um, mm, yes. in this brackets. So, um, also, I despise Mariah Carey at Christmas time. I think she's incredibly overrated. I think that she's incredibly overplayed, and I can't wait to continue um, having that message and that uh, that argument through the rest of these brackets. Thank you very much. This is Derek Akita signing off. <laughs> um. I think that's great. So I am the person who put John Waters on this bracket, never thinking that anyone else would vote for it, but wanting to talk about it. And the fact that we are now at a split decision against Mariah Carey, I was going to use a word there that I can't use because this is a family episode. Um, I'm gagged, I'm gooped, uh, and I'm glittered. Uh, but uh, I will say this. Uh, 
I, I'm giving it to Mariah. And um, well, of course this, you are. This would make it a tie. Um, and in our minisodes, uh, we go through the order and we pass around the tiebreaker. Um, I will be breaking it in favor of Mariah. It is crazy to me that we would eliminate this album in round one. And I think many of our listeners would just turn off the episode and walk away. Um, but the John Waters Christmas album is great. Thank you, Johnny, for doing such an awesome job uh, defending it. The version of Happy Birthday Jesus in there is one of my favorite things I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> do listen to it. You, uh, but Mariah advances next. The panel is overwhelmingly in favor of moving forward 1945's White Christmas by Bing Crosby, also known as Simply Merry Christmas. But Johnny wants to show us a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T for the Queen of Souls entry in the Christmas catalog, Aretha Franklin's This Christmas, comma, Aretha from 2008. Johnny, why should this Christmas be a very special time for Aretha? Jake, explain why Bing remains the king of Christmas. Jake, you go first. Yeah, I'll start off by saying I will be perfectly happy if Aretha moves forward. But, I mean, Bing Crosby has to be... This album, White Christmas, has to be hands down one of the most famous Christmas albums of all time. It's a Christmas staple around households in America, around the holiday season when people are playing it through their cars, looking at Christmas lights. I know that's a memory I certainly have listening to this. It is so timeless, and it will be big for the next 50 years, the next 50 years after that. I think many would argue uh, that Bing Crosby is the voice of Christmas. And when this came out in 1955, um, it went along with It's a Wonderful Life. And White Christmas, which was... Uh, composed by Irving uh, Berlin, who was a famous Jewish composer. And I think that is a pattern we will see among many Christmas songs. Many of the great Christmas songs were composed uh, by people of the Jewish faith. And I just find that to be <laughs> such so interesting. So it's um, thank you for your contribution, Irving. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, this is such a... A classic and it doesn't feel commercial at all like many of the newer albums do you know there was no pr campaign along with it and so it's just a pure nostalgic album that just makes you feel good and just takes you back so um i think again i'm happy if aretha moves forward but um at the same time bing crosby is the voice of christmas <laughs> Um, I think it's 1945, not 55, that oh, Christmas right. yes, came out. Yes. Should, okay. Yeah. So that makes it almost 80 years old, which is incredible. But that being said, uh, Johnny, speaking of things that were 80 years, 80 years old, let's talk about Aretha Franklin. This So this album originally was released in 2008, which is really mind-boggling because Aretha had been recording uh, Christmas songs since the 1960s, um, Winter Wonderland. Again, um, it's going to come up a lot in all these picks that I have. Um, it, surprisingly, it is very, it's a much more spiritual album than I would have expected from Aretha, but she has such the range and it encapsulates all the things she's doing from gospel to traditional to R&B. Um, she does a, a really great cover of Don Hathaway's This Christmas with her son, Eddie, which it starts off with her on the phone with some unknown person and talking about how she's burning something in the kitchen and getting ready for Christmas. And it's just very human. It brings her down to that kind of person that only very few people knew about Aretha. Um, my favorite track is The Lord Will Make a Way, which is a traditional gospel song. Um, and it just has her voice with backing organs and a choir. And I'm not really into religious music, but that really made me want to go to church that day. Um, her version of Silent Night is absolutely my favorite version of that song. I actually despise Silent Night. I think it's boring. I think it's too plodding. I don't like it. Um, but she just brings it to a place with her velvety, rich, and soaring voices. It's only the Queen of Soul can take this tepid and banal song to some place that I want to be. If you haven't heard it, you have to hear the, twas the Night Before Christmas 
ever retelling talking about i'm just waiting for my man he comes in with a silver and black bentley and he drove out saying you are one hell of a woman <laughs> she what did she get that year the same old shit <laughs> sacred and sacrilegious all in one we love it uh thank you so much great defense uh derek where are you on this one so um i am still firmly in the bing camp i think yeah um i had not heard the aretha album until we were doing our our research on this i think as everybody knows there's always a glut of new uh christmas albums that come out every year it's very hard to keep on top of all of them so johnny i was so glad that you put forward aretha because it's beautiful it is everything you just said and i love the, the mix of the traditional religious songs along with some some plenty of sass um because lest we forget aretha was our queen of shade and she was um, wearing gowns beautiful gowns beautiful gowns um but one thing that jake said that i really resonated with me was um there is nothing commercial about the Bing Crosby album it was the progenitor for everything else and it is just pure unadulterated um honesty in, in singing yeah. about these Christmas songs yeah. there's something pure about them um so I am putting Bing forward but great job on Aretha seriously Johnny thank you um next the majority of the panel is feeling contemporary pushing forward Kelly Clarkson's 2013 Christmas album wrapped in red but Derek wants to throw it back with the Andy Williams Christmas album from 1963 Derek why is Williams the most wonderful holiday album of this or any year I will explain why Kelly is all I need underneath the tree Derek you go first so my argument here will absolutely reveal my bias towards ye oldie schmaltz in this episode. <laughs> um, maybe this is just me having fond memories of our best cl- uh, classic holiday song episode a couple of years ago. Um, so I'll fully admit that Kelly's voice is perfection during the holidays. We also need to give some love to the ancestors of our newly beloved holiday albums. And I would argue that few come close to the nostalgia power uh, that mr christmas himself exuded andy williams um this album has all your favorite classics straight from 1963 including bangers like it's the most wonderful time of the year and happy holiday it's the holiday season among many other standards he even finds a way to make everyone's least favorite holiday song bearable with his rendition of kay thompson's jingle bells (laughs) so yeah i realized i'm up against a modern powerhouse like kelly clarkson i get it i just needed to give andy his due I'm going to be honest here. I'm very switchable on this vote. I'm very candid because uh, we did say that Bing was the kind of the, the grandfather of Christmas music, but yeah. Andy picked up the baton from from Bing in the 50s and 60s, 60s, and then I think yeah. Mariah took it from Andy. That's the way that this goes. And you know, in another yeah. few years, Mariah will hand it off to someone else, some cyborg probably. Um, but <laughs> I do think it's fascinating. These two albums are actually exactly 50 years apart: the the, the, the Kelly album and the Andy Williams album. So let's talk about the uh, contemporary holiday classics that are on Kelly's. Her just because I think is among the best contemporary Christmas albums. She gave us five great original tracks, including the title track, but especially Underneath the Tree. I think if this had been released when radio was still a thing, it would have become a Mariah-level success. It is a terrific holiday song. It is bombastic, upbeat. It has a 50s-style doo-wop sound, and it makes great use of Kelly's voice. It has a saxophone solo. You know how that gets points with me. But the album is more than just one track. The other originals are a mix of pop rock, blues, jazz, and country. The rest of the disc is largely covers of existing Christmas pop songs, but Kelly makes each of them her own. Please Come Home for Christmas, 
Blue Christmas and a sensational version of my favorite things. If you've never listened to it, highly recommended. But can it go up against Andy Williams, who was Christmas for decades before Mariah came on the scene? Jake, where are you on this one? Yeah, no, I have to give it for Kelly. You did great arguments, Eric. I think the album as a whole, um, a mixture of originals and classic Christmas classics. Um, I agree with you. If this album had come out maybe 15 years ago, it would be just as big um, as Mariah Carey for sure. So I got to go with Kelly here. All right. And what about you, Johnny? I initially had Kelly, but I was ruminating on this kind of earlier today. And I think every time we think of Andy Williams, I think of Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons being like, <laughs> oh, we're not going to It's like, you think Moon River come in, but bam, second encore. <laughs> <laughs> and this came in this was second encore and i realized you know what as i enjoyed the kelly album i think it's fantastic but you know what there's so many things about andy williams christmas album that i forgot that really made it then i'm gonna switch my vote from kelly to andy all right and i get it like this one i was very switchable on that being said derek the tiebreaker now falls to you so are you going with kelly or andy because we're evenly split uh, i'm sticking with mr christmas all right. It's the most wonderful time of the year, mother. Oh, I'm not going to do that because, again, we are a, a, a kid-friendly <laughs> episode. So Andy Williams will advance to round two. Next, the majority of the panel is feeling a little jazzy and a little snazzy by preferring the Vince Geraldo Trio soundtrack to a Charlie Brown Christmas from 1965. But Derek is feeling the 90s fantasy of The Christmas Attic by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, released in 1998. Jake, tell us how listening to the Charlie Brown album makes it clear that Christmas time is here. Derek, get us into the symphonic rock that the TSO has hidden in its attic. Derek, you go first. Um, yeah, upon closer examination, I have no idea what I was thinking picking this over a Charlie Brown Christmas. Love when I went back and I know, oh my God, I went back and listened to all of the tracks. And while there are maybe one or two really solid renditions on the TSO episode uh, or album, rather, the majority of it just does not hold up. It feels aggressive at times so uh jake i think you should hold on to your argument for charlie brown and the vince guaraldi trio for the next round honestly okay we could uh johnny are you sticking with charlie brown here absolutely i never liked it back then i thought it was a gimmick back in the 90s the, the trans-siberian orchestra yeah. you're talking about <laughs> yes. yeah ended off the ended off the tracks uh, jake what about you you're sticking with uh, vince guaraldi 100 percent Perfect. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. I am glad that we at least talked about the Trans-Siberian Orchestra because as we mentioned in our Patreon exclusive warm-up, both the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Mannheim Streamroller owned schlocky Christmas music of the 1990s. Um, so I'm glad we at least talked about it, but ain't nobody got time for that in the 2020s. It is very dated sounding and it's just not I think, relevant to the continued discussion. So we will move Vince Guaraldi into round two. Next, praise baby Jesus. We have a unanimous decision as the 1987 compilation of Very Special Christmas Volume 1 proved to be more special than Don Denver's 1975 Rocky Mountain Christmas. Next, a holiday R&B showdown as 1963's A Christmas Gift to You from Phil Spector is currently poised to advance over 1970's Jackson 5 Christmas album. Johnny, explain why a Christmas gift is, as the kids today say, giving. Jake, explain why the Jackson 5 have all the right moves to make it to round two. Johnny, you go first. 
Okay, so I think one of the things about this album is that you may not necessarily remember the name of it, but you know all the tracks. Um, interesting when the song with this album was released, it was released on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Um, for anyone who knows their history, there was something else that happened that, that day that overshadowed it. Um, JFK. So it didn't sell very well. The specifically, initial- he was assassinated. Let's be clear about yeah. that. <laughs> he just showed up. He was like hanging out in Dallas. That was all. Nothing. I big. mean, technically true, but yeah, yeah. So. Just, just I guess for people who don't know what that was, but it was yeah. omnipresent in any event. Um, this album was the war, war, um, wall of sound that Phil Spector had um, made his own, and that really set the music for the early 1960s, and has really set the sound for contemporary christmas music going forward um it was revived in the 70s and 80s and everything after this that's the sound that you think of when you think of christmas music um santa claus is coming to town the the crystals did that um they were one of the groups in the uh, phillies record um kind of cohorts that's the version that bruce springsteen has covered that's what that other bands have covered it is now the kind of set standard when you think of anything contemporary the sleigh ride ronettes um ding a ding a ding ring dong ding come on that is <laughs> i sing that in the middle of the summertime um and it is in a oh, i see mommy's kissing santa claus that's another classic that the ronettes do marshmallow world which was a bing crosby song no it's better it's it's better with uh darlene love's voice on it absolutely 100 percent christmas please baby come home the one original song on that album is now its own classic it has now Mm -hmm. transcended that so i want to talk about this a little bit more but i would say the only other thing about this album who else is on it share share was the backup on every single track so we're talking about past current and for the future it's true. Great job. Jake, talk to me about the Jackson 5 Christmas album. This is a tough matchup, by the way. Let me just be very clear about that. Yeah, you know, I have to say, I think I'm going to pull a Derek. I also don't know what I was thinking, but I think the Jackson 5 Christmas album is an essential Christmas album, and I'm going to talk about it, even though I am going to switch my vote um, to Phil Spector. Um 1970 was the Jackson 5's world. We were just living in it. This is actually one of three albums that they released that year. It started with ABC in May. They released this out, uh, the third album in September, and then the Christmas album in October. Um, and I think this album really personifies Black Joy. Um, something that a lot of the other albums, I mean, White Christmas for sure, <laughs> not to be too on the head. <laughs> I think there are some great original tracks like Someday at Christmas um, is such a great, um, happy, upbeat Christmas song. And I think that um, this album is really tough to compete with. But when you put it against Phil Spector, I'm going to have to switch my vote here. Derek, where are you on this one? Um, I'm still with Phil Spector. I mean, although putting Phil Spector against Michael Jackson, it's like, who do you pick between that matchup? I don't know. Um, yeah, tough, tough. Um, I, I, I'm still sticking with, uh, with the, the smooth Motown sound of uh, the Phil Spector album. Uh, actually, both of them would have a smooth Motown sound. They but, do, um, they're different, though. They're, they, they, they do are. have very distinctly different. Yeah. Um, I love both of these albums. They're both iconic to me. I'm giving it to Phil Spector because um, I think it was a little bit of a hidden gem for me. I had known a bunch of the songs ahead of time, but I'd never heard the whole thing. I'll save that for next round when I'm defending it. But we will move Phil Spector's Christmas gift for you into round two. Next, the majority of the panel wants an old-fashioned Christmas via Carpenter's 1978 album, Christmas Portrait. 
portrait, but Johnny has a fever, specifically one of 100 degrees, for Kylie Minogue's 2015 Kylie Christmas. Johnny, tell us how Kylie will keep you warm this Christmas. I will share why Carpenter's holiday album has me waltzing through the holidays. Johnny, do you mind going first? Absolutely. I don't think this is necessarily going to go anywhere. And of course, it's my, she's my namesake, but I think I just really wanted to talk about, I think, how this album is very unique one of the things that she did especially for the snow queen version of this album is do some unique duets that i think only kylie could do she did a frank sinatra duet for santa claus is coming to town perfectly delightly jazzy bop um thanks to natalie cole's pioneering work they can make it happen this would have been awesome to actually have them do together their voices are so they're so different but they're complementary in the most beautiful way she did a uh, cover with of Christmas rapping with Iggy Pop. So mm. going from Frank Sinatra to Iggy Pop in the same album, only Kylie. And she did a version of Only You, the Yazoo new wave hip, and took it took it spectacularly into a longing Christmas track. And now ignore that she's with James Corden, but that's a different story. <laughs> it's still if you didn't know it was him, you would go, oh, this is absolutely touching. Um, she gayed the hell out of Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time with Mika, and she. She, and let's not talk, let's not end without talking about the best duet. And it's all, all de Monogue all the time, 100 Degrees. It is a very Australian disco song that's talking about Hot Christmas. When the album came out, she talks about Hot Christmases, which is a very Australian, New Zealand thing. If you live anywhere else, you go, what the hell are you talking about? But it is a perfect song that was so awesome and such a dance floor hit. They had to change it into it's just disco to me so you can play it all year long. So there we go. Thanks, Kylie. It's a great album. I love it. It is one of my favorite contemporary pop Christmas discs. Unfortunately, it's up against Carpenters. So um, before I talk about Christmas Portrait, I need to acknowledge that I'm specifically referring to the special edition of the album, which was released in 1984 and not the only version. And now it is the only version that you can find in circulation since then. The original Christmas Portrait album, which was released in 1978, lacks several of the songs that make me the happiest. The special edition is actually a compendium of tracks from both of the original Christmas albums by the Carpenters. So that's just a little background. With that being said, Christmas Portrait is camp. It sounds exactly like 70s and 80s Christmases, as crazy as that sounds. The instrumentation, the high breathy choruses, the tweeness of the arrangements. If you were a kid in the 70s and 80s, this is exactly what the mall sounded like while you were waiting in line for Santa. As someone born a month before the original version of Christmas Portrait was released, it is right in my nostalgia pocket. We say things like this all the time on this podcast, but... There is literally nobody else in the world that sounds like Karen Carpenter. Nobody else. The richness of her voice, the inherent melancholy, even when she isn't singing something sad, it is a singular talent and is brought to bear beautifully on Christmas Portrait. Christmas Waltz, Merry Christmas Darling, her version of Ave Maria, these are unimpeachable tracks even 40 years later. Finally, I just want to remind the panel that Jesus was a carpenter. So a vote against Carpenter's Christmas is a vote against Jesus. <laughs> and he's the reason for the season. So you need to pray on that. Uh, Jake, where are you on this? Merry Christmas, darling. You got to go with Carol Carpenter. Carol Carpenter did the thing. Karen Carpenter. Carol. Carol, you were, you're mixing Carol King and Karen Carpenter. <laughs> I sure am. It's okay, folks. He's, he's going through it today. But so I'm taking that as a Carpenter's vote. 
Yes. All right. Derek, where are you on this? Yeah, I'm still with the Carpenters here. Um, If you haven't listened to the Kylie album, please do so. It's terrific. If you want something to keep you moving while you're baking your cookies, yes, that's a euphemism, put on Kylie. Um, But we will advance Carpenters into round two. Finally, in round one, the majority of the panel wants to be home for Christmas with Amy Grant's 1992 album of the same name. But Derek is feeling a little bit country for 2019's The Casey Musgraves Christmas Show. Jake, Amy grant us the serenity that comes with moving home for Christmas into round two. Derek, explain why you don't need ribbons or bows, but you do need Casey to advance. I'll have Derek go first. Um, Yeah, I'm going to do what I did earlier and completely switch my (laughs) memory because it was one of those things where, like, I think my memories of specific albums do not hold up to me re-listening to them later for this episode. So, um, yeah, I started listening to the Casey Musgraves album, and she has some really interesting um, duets on this album, but by and large, I can take maybe five minutes of her voice um, there's just not enough nuance to it. It's and, and it's not even that it has too much like country twang to it because that's not what Casey Musgraves' voice is like. Um, it's just I don't know. Like especially when I'm when I'm sitting down and I'm listening to both of them side by side. For me, I think I'm switching my vote to Amy. So there you go. I will jump in here and say a couple things. I think for me, and I will get dragged by the gays for this because we love Casey Musgraves, her voice has a flatness to it. I think it works yes. really well on her songs, yes. but it is a little bit of a flat voice. Also, Casey has two Christmas albums. This is the live version that goes along with her Amazon Prime, I think it was, holiday special. But her original Christmas album, which I think is called A Casey Christmas, Jake Pitticelli, you're a Casey Musgraves fan. Is it Casey Christmas? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's a great Christmas album. And so when I was initially voting, I thought it was this one. I was like, oh, no, this is the live album. So I get it. But Jake talked to us about Amy Grant, who he said right off the bat, folks, um, he, oh, we're actually, we're going to hold off on that uh, conversation until round two, because I believe it's advancing. Johnny, are you sticking with, uh, are you going Amy or are you going Casey here? Next time I vote, it will be for Amy. Next time I vote. <laughs> um, all right, Jake, you're sticking with Amy. Yeah, if uh, Karen Carpenter did the thing, then Amy Grant is my woman king. (laughs) Very well done. All right, so we will advance Amy Grant into round two. And that's it for round one, folks. We're going to take a quick break to unwrap our candy canes. We'll be right back after these messages. holidays from the crew at the great pop culture debate while you're running around buying gifts for all the people you love or at least are obligated to tolerate why not do something nice for yourself specifically become a patreon supporter of the great pop culture debate today it's like a stocking full of treats you'll get even more exclusive content merch and at the higher levels you get to join the podcast discord server get shout outs by name in future episodes and even listen in as we record specific topics it's the gift that keeps on giving and tiers start as low as five dollars per month Make a last-minute play to get on Santa's nice list by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com backslash debate today. And we are back for round two of our best holiday album debate. Before we get into the Elite Eight, I want our panelists to share their social media accounts and also share your personal favorite holiday songs. Uh, These are individual songs. They do not have to be from these albums. Derek, I'm going to start with you. Yes, you can find me on Instagram and threads at DRKMKT, which is my name without the vowels. Um, My personal favorite holiday song is the 1961 recording 
of Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song, also known as Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. And if you want to hear me argue for that, um, you can listen to our Best Classic Holiday Song episode from two years ago. Um, feel very strongly that. Yes, he does. Thank you very much. Jake Pitticelli, what are your socials and what is your favorite individual holiday song of all time? Yeah, my Instagram threads and TikTok are jtesu underscore. Um, my favorite Christmas song of all time. Um, I didn't know about it until the chorus um, that I'm in the Boston Cayman's chorus. We sang Love is Christmas by Sarah Bareilles. And I think it's just such a beautiful Christmas song. It has such beautiful chords and her voice is um, just so um, amazing. So, yeah. Lovely pick. Thank you very much. Johnny Minogue, your socials and your favorite Christmas song. I am on pretty much everything as Johnny Minogue, one word, no H, like Kylie and Danny, who we discussed in round one. Um, my favorite Christmas song is Melikaliki Maka by mm. Bing Crosby and the Andrew Sisters. There's just something about that post-war, like, Hawaii trend that just li- li- resonates with me. And it's so stupid, and it's so fun, and I love it. It's the most anti-Christmas Christmas song. Great pick. Um, I love that song. Um, uh, you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I, we are leaving Twitter. I will make that announcement here. We are slowly kind of offboarding that terrible app. Um, or you can just mention a message at Great Pop Culture Debate on Insta or at GPCD on Mastodon, on Blue Sky, on TikTok. We're really everywhere. Um, True social. True, true social. We're, we're re-truthing constantly. Yeah. Um, my favorite holiday song is Last Christmas by Wham, which to my knowledge was never released on an actual Wham album. Um, I do also want to make a plug. Jake mentioned this before, but um, I think everyone on this panel was at one point time or currently a member of the Boston Gay Men's Chorus, and they have an album called Joy, which is released in 2012. It is available on Spotify. And um, if you like holiday music, please do check it out. The arrangements are by the incredibly talented chad warrick um i listen to children go where i send thee even when it's not the holidays it is a great album but that song in particular i've never heard any other version of it and i love it um speaking of holiday songs make sure that you go to greatpopculturedebate.com and check out the two episodes we've done on holiday singles one devoted to contemporary holiday pop songs from 1980 to now and one to classic holiday pop songs you can find them under episodes in the holiday collection which has a bunch of great holiday related episodes for you so with that out of the way let's move on to round two before that elf on the shelf snitches about what naughty boys we have all been first it's a battle between two holiday heavyweights mariah carey and her merry christmas album versus bing crosby and the og holiday album white christmas derek why should we keep dreaming of a white christmas and bing in the final four i will explain why all i want for christmas is for mariah to get the respect that she is entitled to derek you go first Oof, I'm up against the rapidly dethawing Mariah Carey tough matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I will just reiterate that this is a matchup of the surging most played, though some would say overplayed, Christmas song in the last 30 years versus White Christmas, which is the biggest selling single of all time, not just of holiday music, any single. Thank you, Curtis, for that tidbit from two years ago. Um, but listen, <laughs> I get that we hold Queen Mariah on a high pedestal, Uh, when it comes to the holidays. I get it. But I would also say that Bing's holiday album more accurately encapsulates the warmth and nostalgia of this time of the year. And while it was a huge commercial success, like I alluded to earlier, I'd argue that 
Mariah's holiday endeavor has been so commercialized that it's become a meme unto itself, unlike the Bing Crosby album, which is sort of timeless and beyond commercialization. So Bing gets my vote here. Um, it would also be a shame to uh, lose this classic, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, I'll say this right out of the, the bat. Uh, if anyone was going to take out Mariah, it would be Bing for me. So I'll just be real clear about that. Um, this is our third holiday music episode on this podcast in which Mariah Carey's Christmas album has been in contention. And I think it has the same problem that Friends has whenever we discuss the 90s on this podcast. Both became so popular in their heyday that people got sick of them and now dismiss them as schlock. Just because something is wildly popular does not mean that it is bad. And that is absolutely true of Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas. Um, we already said it sold 15 million uh, units. That is true. The album sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, Derek is correct that Bing's album is timeless. I would argue that even though it was released 30 years ago, Mariah still sounds timeless. Mariah was in peak vocal form. The arrangements lean into gospel and R&B, which was not only very in vogue at the time, but completely appropriate for the subject matter. Half of the songs on the album started out as hymns. Then we have the holiday pop, the cover, Santa Claus is coming to town, Christmas baby, please come home, etc. Solid, no notes. But the originals, especially All I Want for Christmas is You, were a legitimate cultural moment. That woman released a song in 1994 that became instantly absorbed into the cultural canon. Like, instantly. I cannot remember the last time that happened, before or since. She became the voice of Christmas with this album, and she has held on to it for nearly 30 years. You can't deny that. But she's up against the original voice of Christmas, so it's a tough one. I'm going to start with Johnny. Where are you on this? Mm, I just, and I just talked about Bing Crosby and my favorite song. Um, Yeah, I, I had to think about this because I think I had picked something else for this bracket. Um, I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go with Bing Crosby just kind of out of like the, the length and it's just how it's influenced so many other things. And I'm not really, and it's really tough because it's kind of how, like, is it been uh, influencing for 30 years or for 80 years, but I'm going to go with Bing, but it's a really tough decision. Yep. This could be a final two. And I think it would be completely fitting. Jake, where are you? Yeah, I agree with Johnny. This is a really tough decision, and I was originally going to go with Queen of Christmas, Miss Mariah Carey, but um, although I hate the search engine, I will vote for Bing Crosby. Um, <laughs> it's just timeless, and it'll be popular for the next 50 years, as I was saying, and it's just so pure and really embodies everything that a Christmas album should be, so I got to move them forward. And as I said... If there was anyone who was going to take out Mariah's album, this was the one to do it. So I'm completely confident or, or comfortable with that. We will move Bing Crosby into the final four. Next, it's a split decision between 60s platters, the Vince Guaraldo trio soundtrack to A Charlie Brown Christmas, and Andy Williams's The Andy Williams Christmas Album. Johnny, do the Peanuts dance and convince us to move forward. Charlie, Derek, bring back that big Branson energy to defend Williams. Johnny, you go first. I've got my little Charlie Brown Christmas tree right here. So, <laughs> it is, well, or no, that's just a wig. Never mind. Um, <laughs> so this this one kind of stands out on its own as very different from the other albums on this. It is a jazz standard. It is mostly instrumental, um, but 
it was something that really became an instant classic when it came out in 1965. It was a com- it was a companion to the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas TV special that started in 1965. It's been played every single year for 58 years. Um, I, there's only two songs that have any sort of vocal on it. Christmas time is here, which is the opening to the TV special, and just that. Those beautiful, high, like high pitched children's voice, children's voice choir, which normally drive me nuts, but it works so well here in the, in the Peanuts verse that I could look overlook it. And they, the uh, longer instrumental version of it, which is six and a half minutes, it's just pure simplistic perfection. It is, you put it on, it you feel classy, you feel warm, you feel kind of expensive. It feels mm-hmm. like you are in a you're in a very fancy christmas bar and sipping on some lightly spiked eggnog Mm -hmm. and linus and lucy is the track that probably thinks you think more of of just like the peanuts world than anything else is that high pitch piano um did it i'm not doing very well at all but um and also don't want to have to have a copyright infringement but it is yeah let's avoid that this christmas exactly not not doing that this christmas no not so much fair fair use um but linus and lucy is like that is the quintessential peanuts song when you think of the the peanuts the the music and charlie brown that is it um and it is it just stands out as something super unique and super fantastic as a christmas classic that really has no other comparison it's true it's very unlike anything else on here um derek why don't you talk to us about mr williams again yes so i'm well first of all i'm gonna channel curtis and say christmas time is here (laughs) i know how much he loves children singing um it is on that album um however Here's where I'm coming down on this. I spoke very strongly for Andy Williams before, and he is Mr. Christmas, and I do feel very strongly that this is a strong album and a contender in this matchup. However, I think now that we have Bing continuing on, um, I do actually think Andy can bow out here because I feel like the the true classic nature of a Christmas or what a Christmas album is, the archetype is still being represented by Bing here. So I am actually going to switch my vote to the uh, fifth score royalty trio. Wow, that is actually surprising to me. Jake, you were initially going to talk about Vince in the first round. Do you have anything else to add? Are you sticking with Vince? Yeah, I don't have anything else to add, but now I'm really hungry for peanuts. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's important. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Now, I think it's important to have some variety, and now that the Trans-Siberian Orchestra is out of the mix, who largely their album, uh, The Christmas Addict, is mostly instrumental, I think it's good to have some variety and some jazz um, into the bay here. So I'm going to move uh, Charlie Brown Christmas forward. Um, for what it's worth, I actually would have put Andy Williams forward here. Um, I, I hear all the arguments. I think it's good to have some um, diversity in terms of musical styles. But that Andy Williams album has songs that will be played from now until the end of time. Nobody else had done them before. That most wonderful time of the year, the, the holiday season. There are a couple other big bombastic ones. The Peanuts album has 
two or three really recognizable songs and then the rest of it is what you put on the background of your cocktail party that being said it's completely useful as a platter because you put it on the back of your cocktail party so uh with three votes to one uh the vince Guaraldi trios charlie brown christmas will advance to the final four next the panel is evenly split between two classic compilations a very special christmas volume one and a christmas gift to you from phil specter derek tell us why we should continue being charitable for a very special christmas i will explain why even the specter of phil specter should not dissuade us from advancing special gift i will go first um first some trivia about this album which actually i think uh, johnny already handled most of it yes it came out the day that jfk was assassinated number two you didn't talk about this brian wilson from the beach boys actually tried to play the piano on santa claus is coming to town but he got fired because he wasn't up to snuff and then Cher sang back up on several of the songs including darlene loves christmas baby please come home which she is recording for her holiday album releasing in 2023 and darlene love is providing the backup vocals for that version we love a full circle moment um again i could take that into a very blue place but i'm not because this is a a family episode i am ignoring the actual monster behind this album i am focusing on the artists who are captured on it doing what i think are some of the most exciting holiday recordings in history Darlene Love, The Ronettes, The Crystals, Bobby Sox and the Blue Jeans, spectacular musicians using a holiday album, of all things, to show off not only their musical abilities, but their souls. There will never be a better version of Sleigh Ride than The Ronettes. There will never be a better version of Marshmallow World than Darlene Love. I could go on like this. I'd heard tracks from this album for years on various holiday compilations, but I hadn't heard the, fur- fur- the full album until probably the 2000s. I was blown away. The tracks on this album are revelatory, truly. The rock instrumentation, the R&B harmonies, the lush production. I cannot think of another holiday album with this level of musicianship on display. That being said, I do want to point out that very special Christmas album is an 80s kid. Incredible impact on me. I was the perfect age for that album when it came out, and I was obsessed with at least half of the songs on it. But Derek, talk to us about why it's so special. Yeah, I mean, 1987, it has something for everybody. It's a veritable who's who of 80s legends. We've got The Pointer Sisters, Eurythmics, Whitney Houston, Bruce Springsteen, Pretenders, John Mellencamp, Sting, Run DMC, U2, Madonna, Bob Seger, Brian Adams, Bon Jovi... Uh, Halliston Moya and Stevie twirl that shawl Nicks. Um, and it was so successful that it launched many more volumes to come. Um, that said, I am actually switching my vote to uh, a Christmas gift for you because I think it deserves to move forward. I think it has actually aged better. There is some truth to that. And as someone who's a huge Eurythmics fan, I actually do not care for their version of, um, is it Winterland, Winter Wonderland on that song? It's really sounding. Jake, where are you? Sign your ex on the line. Um, (laughs) I will say I was going to go with um, A Very Special Christmas, um, but I am going to switch my vote to uh, Phil Spector, just for the same reason that Derek said. Um, I think it's aged better. Um, and I think that um, even though I like the artist maybe better personally on A Very Special Christmas, I think the songs um, that embody a whole really collective album, Christmas album, the Phil Spector does better. Okay. Uh, Johnny, where are you? I think we need to call Derek Pennsylvania because you are nothing but swing votes today. I love it. <laughs> 
I am I'm going with Phil Spector and not only is that I feel like that was my number one album but there were three tracks that were on a very special Christmas that were covers of, of the ones that were on Phil Spector's album so I I have to get put it through so I think that is a, a full compliment for a uh, very special, uh, excuse me, for uh, a Christmas gift to you. I do want to do briefly mention um, the very special album was a fundraiser. It was a charity fundraiser. Uh, was it to benefit Special Olympics? Is that what, yes. what the funds yes. went to? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I'm blanking on the iconic 80s artist whose Keith artwork. Herring. Thank Keith you, Herring. Keith Herring, incredibly important LGBT artist. That artwork is still used to this day. Yep. Um, I hope nobody thinks that we're being in any way disrespectful to this album. It's 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 an incredibly important album. Um, but I think that in a 2020s world, the special gift really has more punch. So we will move it forward. Lastly, in round two, yet another even split, this time between Carpenter's Christmas Portrait and Amy Grant's Home for Christmas. Derek, build a successful argument in on, in favor of Carpenter's. Gianni, tell us why we should stay secure with Home for Christmas. Derek, please go first. Yes. So I am not switching my vote this time because Christmas Portrait gets my vote, least of all because it represents um, an album from the 70s. And honestly, there's so few true holiday classics between the 60s and like the 80s and the 90s that for me, it all comes down to style. There is just something in Karen Carpenter's voice that is soothingly perfect for the holidays. Um, Her own rendition of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas to The Christmas Waltz, The Christmas Song to Merry Christmas Darling. Um, all are beautifully arranged and voiced. Um, this album is solid from beginning to end, and that is why it is certified platinum. Um, I won't be sad, be mad if either of these are moving forward, but the Carpenters get my nod here. I do think it's more of a classic. And again, Karen's voice is just so soothing. Uh, I mentioned this in the preview we had up on Patreon, but um, Amy Grant's is actually in the top 25 all-time highest-selling Christmas albums. And the Carpenters... I'm not sure it is. Um, Johnny, I know, Jake, you were going to initially talk about this album, and he literally said before we started recording this episode, I'm going to come hard for Home for Christmas. So, Johnny, do you mind if I have Jake go first because he held on to his argument from round one? Sure. Jake, go for it. Uh, Amy Grant, Home for Christmas. I mean, this is my favorite Christmas album for many of the reasons that you gave uh, Karen Carpenter, I find in Amy Grant, her voice is so rich and I think um, make perfect use uh, her voice of the classic Christmas standards, but also some of the original tracks, which really stand out like breath of heaven, um, grown up Christmas lists. Um, Amy was uh, Grant was so big in the 1990s and Eric, you're right. This album was certified triple platinum. So even though um, I don't know if we should necessarily put that into account for it, does it make it a better Christmas album? But it's certainly quite popular. Um, Christmas, This I listened to this album in the middle of the summer and every song is good. I enjoy every single song from the beginning to the end, which is a great instrumental. Um, I think that there's no wrong time of the year to listen to this album. Um yeah, I just it's hard to I, I just love it so much for personal reasons. I have so many, you know, nostalgic memories of walking uh putting up the Christmas tree and decorations for this album, listening to it in the background while I looked at Christmas lights with my family. Um so but yeah, I think Amy Grant's voice is perfect for Christmas. And if we're taking Mariah Carey out, we have to put Amy Grant in. Um, we say this every time we do a holiday episode of this podcast that nostalgia plays such a critical component in these votes in particular. So I get it, Jake. I really do. Johnny, do you have anything to add on Amy Grant? Where are you, where are you voting? 
Well, I love Amy Grant and not ironically to paraphrase Trey Tintaro. Um <laughs> it was the 18th most uh sold uh, album of all time. So just you would say top 25 is it was 18 was on my list. Um I'm absolutely going for Amy Grant. I have a really random story about Amy Grant and Lil Kim because I liked them both on the same day on Facebook and it came together that Johnny Minogue likes a- Amy Grant and Lil Kim. Now, <laughs> could if they've done a baby it's cold outside version Yes. That would have been. Yes. That would have been the. Where is that? Where is that? I'm putting that out there. Amy, little Kim, put it together. Make it happen. That is the collab right there. That's what we need. It's it's the Bing Crosby and David Bowie of the 2000s. I love it. Um, so I think right now we are two for Amy. Derek is on Carpenters. I would lean towards Carpenters personally, which would mean that it's a tie. And I believe Jake, it's your tiebreaker. So Jake, where are we going here? Oh, so hard. I really love both albums so much. And even though Home for Christmas is my personal favorite Christmas album, I think that Christmas Portrait is so iconic and really is just one of the top. I can't, I, when I put, yeah, I have to go with Christmas Portrait. Carp- wow. Not Joe Carpenter. <laughs> Karen Carpenter. And I, know a, I, I know I'm switching votes, Johnny, so you don't have to send Dominion after me. But. <laughs> um, it's a Christmas miracle, folks. I did not see this coming. Wow. So with that, we have our final four. We're going to take another quick break to demand that a total stranger bring us some figgy pudding. We won't go until we get some. We will be right back after these messages. And we are back with the final four of our best holiday album debate. At this point in the show, I always like to take a step back and see if the F4 matches up with what I figured. We have Bing Crosby's White Christmas versus the Vince Guaraldi Trio Christmas, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, and a Christmas gift to you from Phil Spector versus Carpenter's Christmas Portrait. It's actually not the final four that I thought we were going to get. I thought we'd have some more contemporary selections on here, but they've all been winnowed out. Derek, you were saying if there was one that you could swap out, it would be... Yeah, I think um, I would probably swap out the Andy Williams Christmas album for uh, Bing's White Christmas album. I think, you know, Bing is like quintessentially Christmas, but I think Andy Williams is Christmas pop in a way that I think Bing isn't. And I think he actually could have held his own better in this matchup, but we'll see which way it goes. Well, speaking of that, let's get into this matchup. It's Bing Crosby's White Christmas versus the Vince Guaraldi Trio's Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm going to start actually at the back of the order. Johnny, where are you on this one? I'm going to go with White Christmas on this one. Okay. Jake, where are you? I also am going to go with White Christmas. Derek Makita? All Bing. All bang, all the time. I'm going to make it a clean sweep. I think Charlie Brown had a good run. Um, but as I mentioned, I think it's mostly background music. And I think Bing is the lead act here. Um, he's the original. But that does not mean he's the winner. I want to be very clear with that after the uh, criticism I received for a Pixar film episode. Next, a Christmas gift to you from Phil Spector versus Carpenter's Christmas Portrait. Uh, Derek, where are you? Ay, ay, ay. Um... Oh my god, the two of them are so different. Um, I think I'm going to stick with the Carpenters here. Jake Pitticelli. Yeah, I also am going to stick with Karen Carpenter and Richard Carpenter. (laughs) Uh, Right. Uh, Johnny Minogue, where are you? I'm with uh, Christmas Gift to you. Uh, It's just, it 
not only does it sit on its own as an amazing album, it is set the standard for music for the next 60 years after it. So I have to go with that one. I am also with a Christmas gift to you. Mm. Um, Nothing against Christmas portrait, but here's my argument. And I made this argument early on Christmas portrait sounds seventies and eighties. And it will always sound 70s and 80s. Christmas gift to you. Yeah, it's 100% 60s doo-wop, but it still sounds pristine. And anyone can enjoy those songs and not be like, what is this? Um, So that being said, Johnny, it's a tie. You have the tiebreaker. Yay! Phil Spector. I didn't say the only time I've ever taken gay Phil Spector, but <laughs> I was going to say we do not condone Phil Spector no, on this podcast. Not at but all. We... <laughs> I was gonna try, I'll say, how about Ronnie Spector and Company? Let's go. Can we go yes. with that? Let's do that. There you go. Much appreciated. We've Good. got it. Let's so we it. have a final two: a Bing Crosby's "White Christmas" versus a Christmas gift to you from Phil Spector. Jake, I'm going to start with you in the middle. Where are you going? Uh, oh God, this is hard. Um... I am going to have to go with a, as much as I think Bing Crosby really is, you know, like we said, the voice of Christmas and it's so pure and uncommercial. I think the collection as an entire album, I mean, this is the best Christmas holiday albums, excuse me. And I think if we're using that or going the entire album is just bop after bop. And I, you can say that because these songs have aged so well, and I think they're going to continue to age well. And for the entire collection of music, I think as a whole, it is definitely the best holiday album. I think it's close, but I have to give um, the edge to Phil Spector. Okay. Derek Makita, where are you? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, Bing Crosby's the OG. He's the, you know, he's the archetype for what these, you know, holiday albums were going to be um, for the rest of the 20th century and into this century. Um, I am actually going to give the edge to uh, a Christmas gift, Ronnie Spector and company. Yeah. All right. Johnny Minogue. For anyone who was upset about Mariah Carey not going forward, just remember if you be put Phil Spector to the number one Christmas, please baby come home is in that album. So you're still getting a song <laughs> that Mariah did that ended up winning. Yeah. So is that your vote? Is is the very special or a special gift to you? Oh, it will be my baby. It's going yes. with the Christmas gift. Um, great. I'm all, I'm going to make it a clean sweep for the a Christmas gift to you from Phil Spector. And um, my primary reason is if we are looking at this as a full album, the Bing album has some real dour notes on it. Um, it's all beautifully executed, but that Christmas gift to you album, it is smashing. There's not a single song I would cut. There's not a single song I would skip. They're all expertly performed. So there you have it, folks. Our pick for the best holiday album of all time is A Christmas Gift to You from Phil Spector. Do you agree? Do you think that we should ask Santa for better judgment this Christmas? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Facebook, Mastodon, Threads, whatever. While you're there, make sure that you subscribe Subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear about what new debates are coming soon, vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. If you really enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to like and rate the episode of the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen on. I want to say thank you to my panel. It's always a very special gift to record with you, and thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you get even more exclusive content and you get episodes a whole day early. We hope you have a good one, and remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. Happy holidays.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.